Our New Testament passage comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 26 through 29. Let us listen for the word of the Lord still speaking among us. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of what is shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us give thanks, by which we offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for indeed our God is a consuming fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of my all-time favorite movies is The Boxer, a 1997 Daniel Day-Lewis film set in Belfast in 1995, just as the Good Friday peace accords are about to go into effect. My sister Molly and I first watched this in high school, and it sparked our interest in the sectarian conflict colloquially known as the Troubles. Molly and I then visited the region, and Molly volunteered at Cormila Community, a peace and reconciliation center on the coast. The movie, in the movie, Daniel Day-Lewis plays Danny Flynn, a boxer who's been jailed for IRA militant activity when he was 19. As the film opens, he has been in jail for 14, <clears throat> 14 years, and now he's about to be released. We first see Danny boxing in the prison yard, jabbing and sparring with the unseen opponents of the air. He's all alone. We can tell he's been doing this for years on his own, jumping rope, doing push-ups, staying in fighting shape. He is called from his invisible boxing match and sent out from the prison. We see him walk down a corridor and back out into the real world. Someone in the crowd sees him and recognizes him. They raise an eyebrow and the rumor mill starts. People start to react to this news. There are a lot of unvoiced expressions. Danny has spent nearly half his life locked away, throwing punches in the prison yard on his own, but as the film opens, we get the sense that his real sparring match is about to begin. While Danny was jailed for being part of the IRA, it becomes clear that he hasn't endeared himself to his fellow fighters. No one meets him, no one greets him, no one helps him. He's on his own. He goes back to his old apartment, knocking down cinder blocks to get through the door. The neighbors watch, wary, waiting, wondering what he's doing there. Harry approaches him. Harry is the leader of the local IRA. We've already seen him threaten to shoot off someone's kneecaps. Harry approaches Danny with seeming regard. But when he realizes that Danny is going to stay around, is not going to leave his home, Harry starts to snarl. You are a strange man, Danny. All you had to do was walk across a prison corridor and shake hands with some of your old friends in the IRA. Snubbing people is not nice, but you never named names, and that is why you are a healthy man. Understand? Danny stares and then turns back to his work without a word. 
the neighbors just keep watching. The wariness and warnings do not stop. Everyone watches whatever Danny does. Everyone is trying to figure out what his plan is. Danny insists that all he wants to do is box. He finds his old trainer, Ike, who is now descended into belligerent alcoholism on the street. Together, they unearth some old photos of their past boxing days together, a youth club that they had, where the star, Danny was the star boxer for, Ike was the trainer. Ike gets excited about life again. He gives up drinking. He commits once more to teaching and training. Danny continues to keep to himself for the most part, focusing on his boxing. He remains reticent, quiet, contained, jumping, hour, jumping rope in an empty apartment in the wee hours of the morning. He is alone so often that it seems, although he is back out in the free world, some part of him is still alone, locked away in a jail cell. Still, slowly, we watch a change happen. We watch him haltingly reconnect with other people. He and Ike figure out how to rebuild their friendship. Ike felt betrayed when Danny joined the IRA. Danny starts to acknowledge people around the neighborhood. He even sits down for coffee with his old love, Maggie. He starts to take a few more steps of relationship. We watch Danny's cold containment begin to thaw. We watch him start to come alive. We also start to watch him get more involved in what's happening in the neighborhood in small ways. When he finds bomb-making equipment in the basement of the community center where they are boxing, he takes it out in the dead of night and throws it into the river. He also continues to meet up with Maggie, Maggie who is her own political hot potato because she is a prisoner's wife, being used in the propaganda of the IRA despite having a sham marriage. So when Danny tries to connect with her and she reaches back out to him, both of these are dangerous political acts. Danny is challenging the status quo of the neighborhood. He's making some people in power very upset. He insists that he just wants to box, but others see him as something even more dangerous. They see him as wanting to be a peacemaker. Danny is exposing some secrets to the light of day which do not want to be exposed. He's showing hidden power dynamics in his neighborhood and things start to escalate. He gets a rock thrown in his window. And then when his loved ones start to receive some threats, late in the film, Danny finally explodes with fury. He's talking to Maggie, but he's talking about Harry. It's the first time we've heard him yell, and he says, you don't understand. Half of my life I've thrown away, and all the good things in it, thanks to that sickly beast and his dirty little, cozy little secret world and all the dirt in it. And now he wants to turn us into a dirty secret. Well, forget him. Let him know that I love you. Go out and tell him I will not crawl around in the gutter for him. Danny sees himself as a boxer and a Belfaster, as someone who simply wants to live in the world and be in relationship with people whom he loves and who love him back. However, others see him as a danger. At the end of the film, Danny is kneeling, leaning against a wall, and someone stands over him, spitting out, end of story, peacemaker. 
I won't tell you all the details of what happens next, but in short, the speaker is wrong. Danny's story does not end there. Peacemaking does not end there. Things turn upside down with a bit of a plot twist yet again. And at the end, Danny drives home with his loved ones finally beside him, neither fighting nor fleeing, just determined to go home and be a family, no matter how dangerous that might be. Danny Flynn is not a prophet, and the story of the boxer is not about the kingdom of heaven, but it is about exposing some things to the light of day. It is about standing in place as your own self on your own terms and how unnerving that can be for some people in power. After all, movies can do what scripture, one of the things that scripture does, which is hold up a mirror to our perceptions and our priorities and make us look at ourselves more fully, make us look at the world in a new way. And so we hear Danny say, I am only a boxer, but other people see the truth. Just by being himself, by being present at this time and place, Danny is challenging the powers that be. Things are always in our lives getting turned upside down. We can hear that in our Hebrews text. We hear the writer say, yet once more, God will remove what is shaken. Yet once more, the prophets and the people are told, do not be afraid. Yet once more, we have to be reminded to worship with reverence and awe, not because things are always comfortable and cozy for us, but because in the midst of turbulence and tumult, the love and presence of God are the things that are secure. Ellick has preached on this before, how our lives will be shaken at some point, our world will be turned upside down. The strength we get from the good news of the gospel is not that everything happens for a reason, but that when tough things happen, not when, not if, tough things happen, we will not be abandoned. We are not alone. In the covenant with the people of Israel, we see a God who is willing to be vulnerable, who weeps and longs for the people. God wants to be in relationship with us. And in Christ, we see this even more fully and intimately. In Christ, we see the love of a creator who will go to the depths of hell in order to claim us as beloved children. In Christ, we see the joy of a redeemer who wants to walk with us, talk with us, weep with us, savor life with us. In Christ, we see the grace of a sustainer who will burn away all the mess of our lives, leaving our deepest, truest, most cherished selves. And these deepest, truest selves will not be lost or shaken. These selves will be brought into the unshakable kingdom of heaven. Our lives are always being turned upside down. So many of us know that in so many different ways. And we also might know the deep, dark truth that the more power and privilege and control we have, the more it feels like we have to lose. Our world is always being turned upside down, and those who are the most comfortable with the way things are will be the ones who are most terrified of things changing. Jeremiah, in our text today, is being sent out to make some upsetting statements to the people and powers of Israel. 
He insists, I am just a child. Similar to how Danny Flynn insists, I am just a boxer. But this isn't the end of the story. The Lord touches Jeremiah's mouth, filling him with the words that he should speak. Jeremiah is sent forth into a dangerous world, a world of kings who want to keep things on their own terms. Jeremiah is told to remind the peoples and the powers that they are not the ones in charge, that God is the one in charge. No one is going to want to hear this. Despite his protests, Jeremiah is being sent to shake things up. You see, sometimes the world shakes us, with troubles, with turmoil, we need to remember that God is walking with us through these earthquakes. Sometimes the world shakes us, but sometimes, more often than we would like to admit, God calls us to shake up the world. Sometimes the world is just a little too comfortable with the way things are, Sometimes the world is just a little too cozy with the powers and the principalities that have settled into place. The world's priorities are not always God's priorities. God needs to remind people that the kingdom of heaven is where we are headed, that every other priority and plan is going to be turned upside down and inside out along the way. Sometimes the world is the thing that needs to be shaken up and Sometimes we are the ones called to do the shaking. It has always been this way. God has only ever worked through human beings to bring about the purposes of heaven. God works through people, using their gifts and strengths, even their challenges and questions. We see this all through the scriptures, all through our own lives, our own experiences of community. God works through people in order to shake all of us free from fear and greed, from our loathing and hoarding and dehumanizing mentalities. God chooses to work through people in order to bring the world into more wholesome and healing fullness and glory. God chooses to work through people in order to shake up the world. We see this in the legacy of prophets like Jeremiah, we see this in the witness of Jesus the Christ who did not wander the Galilean countryside as a lone ranger. Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, gathered disciples. Twelve are named, many more are implied. Jesus gathered those disciples and taught them about a new way to be in the world. And then he sent them forth. Jesus did not do the work all on his own. He wanted to equip us to do the work in the world as well to share the good news that the first shall be last and the last shall be first, that the lost sheep and coin will be found, that the widow's might is more precious than the wealthiest magistrate, and that the powerful will be brought down from their thrones. Jesus even declares that the temple itself will tremble, crack, and tumble to the ground, but the work of heaven will remain unshaken. These are earth-shaking, troublemaking words particularly for those who are in power. Under God's watch, the world we know is being turned upside down, and God in Jesus wants us to go forth and share this as good news. Maybe like Jeremiah, we will resist the task. 
Maybe like Danny Flynn, we can make people angry just by planting our feet and saying, this is my home too. But even with our resistance, God does not stop working through us. God gives us hands and hearts and bodies that can be used by the Spirit for the work of heaven. Anytime, any place, we can preach the good news, no words even necessary. A few weeks ago, I found this story on a chaplain's blog. She writes, When I was training to be a chaplain, I sat at a long, heavy table in the spiritual health office with my supervisor. He picked up a coaster and put it down in front of me. People in power are always trying to cover things up, he said, shifting the coaster around on the table. Power doesn't want us to look at suffering. It doesn't want us to see injustice. And nice people, good people, don't want to see it either. Church people don't want to see suffering. Nice white people don't want to see suffering. Cheerful straight people don't want to see. They put a rock on top of everything ugly, everything uncomfortable, everything that tells them they've done something wrong. My supervisor ran his finger along the coaster's edge as he continued, a prophet takes that rock that they've put over that uncomfortable truth and the prophet flips it over. He flipped the coaster on the table and he smiled. The people in power will go ahead and put it right back he set the coaster back right side up on the table. So then the prophet, she walks up to the rock and flips it over again and again and again. As many times as the folks put the rock on top of things they don't want to look at, the prophet walks up, flips the rock over and points and yells, look, look at this. Look and look and look again and again and again. As a congregation that is about probably 85% cheerful, straight white people, we are exactly the people that this supervisor was talking about, the people for whom rock flipping looks hard because the status quo can feel so good. But God is calling us to flip some rocks and shake some things up. We might not want to do this. After all, Jeremiah did not want to be a prophet and Danny Flynn did not want to become a peacemaker. But God is calling us to flip some rocks, and not just once, but again and again and again. And if we can't flip those rocks on our own, we're called to look at what other people are doing with those rocks, and look and look and look. Honestly, we do this already through practices and professions of faith when we gather for worship. We do this when we gather as a community, as a church, to pray about the world, to admit that we are not the ones in charge, but God is. We gather together and we name what it looks like to care about people who are different from ourselves. We need this reminder and we need this chance to look closely again and again and again. So we sing songs and pray our prayers and tell our truths and reach out our hands and our hearts in order to look under those rocks again and again. Now, I know that this congregation, like many congregations, have not always done a good job of looking under rocks, we all fall short of God's intentions for our lives. But still, right now, in the last year even, I can name a number of instances where I have seen people in this community trying to look under some pretty important rocks 
And I have seen people in this congregation ask how we can try to flip them over together. I have seen people in this community try to look under the rock of American gun violence and ask how we can stop this stone from crushing bodies and spirits and communities. I have seen people in this congregation trying to look under the rock of spiritual despair that they see around them in their friends and families and ask how to turn it over together and how to create more space for growth and depth in their own spiritual life. I have seen people in this congregation trying to look under the rock of depression and addiction and ask how we can hold up those rocks together so that people aren't automatically crushed beneath them without resources or recompense. I have even seen people in this congregation trying to look under the rock of white supremacy and ask why we have a plaque to the pew of Stonewall Jackson, but no memorial yet to the slaves who laid the stones of this very sanctuary and whose pews, I've been told, are the very benches that we sit on in the hallway. I have seen people in this congregation trying to turn over these rocks, not on their own, but together as a community, not because it is easy, but because it is what God has placed upon their hearts and put into their mouths and shaken up in their own spirits. And here's a piece of good news. No matter who's in this pulpit, no matter who is the pastor of this church, this congregation is still called to do that rock flipping. This congregation is still being asked week after week to gather together and to expose some things to the light and to let that light and love shine brighter here in downtown Richmond and beyond. This is my last Sunday here as your pastor, though we will be back as a family on September 8th to say goodbye. And so I remind you of the good news that you do not need me to do any of this faithful rock flipping. You do not need Alec Evans or the choir. You don't even need the liturgy or tradition, although I do believe those things help. I am Presbyterian after all. But all you need for some good old-fashioned rock flipping is each other and the Holy Spirit. That is all that it takes to be the church. The world is not yet as it ought to be. Things still need to be shaken up. Only the work of God's love is secure here on earth. Danny Flynn didn't want to be a peacemaker. Jeremiah didn't want to be a prophet. But the story didn't end with their hesitations. The story didn't end with their failings. The story kept going. The rocks kept getting flipped. And this story, this work, this congregation will keep going forward as well. With love and strength, with temerity and tenacity and hope. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, you ask us to preach the gospel, and if necessary, we can use words. Show us how to preach your earth-shaking, rock-flipping good news. Show us how to preach it with our hands and our hearts and our very lives. Show us how to preach as individuals, as a congregation, and as the church universal in the world, your body shared for all. In your holy name we pray, amen.